0: again again All right, you principal prickly partisans. It's time to dust off your starter jackets, rip off those tearaways and blow into your game cartridges. I'm Sam Blanford. I'm Marty T. And I'm Simon Blanford. And we wish it was the 90s. Well, we're back, listeners. Fresh off the back of a successful Joe Lomu's tournament. I think it's probably the first in the world, uh... Of 20 teams or more. Uh, well done to Cam Paulick for winning it. Um, welcome Marty T, you were there that night. Have a good time?
1: Oh, great time, Liz. It was um, yeah, very well organised. A lot of uh, very tight competitive matches and a lot of rusty ones uh, <laughs> in the early rounds as well. But all in all, awesome night.
0: Yeah, cheers for coming. Uh, Simon uh, stepped in and late and um, made the semis. Well done, Si.
2: Thanks very much. I felt I was quite lucky to get out of my pool, to be honest. So I was very, very glad to make the semis. Disappointed bow out to Mark. Made a big error going England and not South Africa, to be honest with you. Got dominated in the Fords in that matchup. Um, but happy to beat Dave Lum in the quarterfinals. Always happy to beat Dave Lum in anything. Uh, mainly because if he beats you, you'll never hear the end of it. So, yeah, that was a, that was a particularly good win just for self-preservation, if nothing else.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, well, all those people who tuned in to listen to Recess, um, sorry guys, um, but we will carry on and Recess, uh, well, ca- came out in 1997 on, I believe it was a Disney uh, animation, and it portrayed the lives of six fourth graders, um, led by the lovable rogue, TJ Detweiler, Um and it was about how they go about their daily lives at their school, which I believe was in Arkansas, um, Third Street Elementary School. If you haven't watched it, go and watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus. Um, the first episode is on YouTube, I think. Um,
1: I think there's a few on YouTube. I watched The um, Origin of womps on uh, on youtube so i think there's quite a few there are only 10 minute episodes as well which is a good thing
0: um we'll jump straight into our memories of the show maybe we'll frame this as uh what what we can remember from probably when we watched it 20 years ago um and this time when you watched it round or when you've watched it as an adult um, what were some of the things or aspects of of it that came back to you on a rewatch? We'll start with you, Marty.
1: Yeah, I uh, was a massive Recess fan, uh, watching it in the early days on the weekends and the mornings. Um, there were, I, I guess, I could say that I had a pretty good uh, recollection for someone who hasn't watched it in twenty odd years. Um, there were a lot of things that immediately came uh, flooding back to me right from the word go, uh, and you know, first one being things like um, just that classic, very, very memorable uh, opening tune, starting with the bell, and um, mm. yeah, that, that intro, uh, absolutely iconic. Um, and we'll get a, get into a little bit more later as well, but yeah, there were. I think a lot of things just immediately came flooding back to me. Uh, as I was watching, I think I got through about four or five episodes. They're only uh, short ones, um, but yeah, uh, iconic show. Uh, quite underrated, I feel, and I think also when I was watching it back again, just the quality of the storytelling um, was a lot better than what I uh, what I would have thought. And also, as I've gone back to watch a few other blasts from the past, they haven't quite lived up to where. Uh, or the same experience from the original run, uh, whereas Recess definitely did. Um, Yeah. yeah. What about you, say?
2: Yeah, man. Um, Couldn't agree more. I thought that it more than held up and probably even improved from what I thought it was. My memories aren't as distant as yours, Marty. I, I definitely watched this a little bit as a kid. Was it Nickelodeon it was on? As when we were kids, or was it Cartoon Network?
1: Can't remember if it was even just on the old, um, the old state channels. Whether it was what? two or three,
2: terrestrial TV. Mm. Yeah, I we definitely watched it as a bit as a kid. I watched it a lot as a teenager, like a lot as a teenager. Oh, yeah. Um, to the point where, when I was at teachers, yeah, there was this, Sam and I always. One of the funniest openings of any show was TJ with all the kids around him and he said <laughs> so then Principal Prickly said that's not a kindergartner that's my wife and we were, and that uh, was always one of our favorite and actually we had a skit at teachers college that we had to do and I repeated that joke but just repeated year nine that's not a year nine student that's my wife um to no, to no <laughs> laughter whatsoever but yeah, I just echo that introduction. Absolute all-timer. The music how it captures all the characters. Absolute all-timer. And to your storytelling point, I just wrote down a note after you said that. I completely agree. And even the little things. I know it's simple, but you know the camera angles are so good. How that's always like a low angle on the principal or a high angle on a kid when they're feeling, you know, being told off or something like that. It's just really, really really well done and i think i couldn't figure out if it's an adult show pitched at kids you know the simpsons is just an adult show right it's just for adults pretty much that and kids kind of they just missed the missed the boat and kind of liked it i feel like recess is probably a kids show that adults can enjoy but i'm not entirely sure um yeah sam
0: i think i think it's an adult show that that is masked as a kid's show. Um, going back to your watching it as a teenager, it would, it would have come out. '97, you were 11, so it we, went yeah. till 2001. We watched it a lot, probably yeah. just before school, I think, um, maybe just after school when we got home, yeah. um, and you would have just started high school. Um, yeah, the main thing that I can remember about the show was it was like it was all themed around kids versus adults and how adults suck basically um and adults are well i actually on a rewatch adults weren't framed in as such of a negative light as i thought so you know like you do get to see the human side of a lot of the adults um and i did a complete 180 on uh, muriel finster who i now revel in now that i'm a school teacher (laughs) Who I absolutely hated as a child, yeah um but the main the main things I could remember were like the main characters that they used to play kickball heaps yeah um yep. and the intro, as you guys have mentioned, the parts that I kind of came back to me on a rewatch was all the bit characters and how great they are um for sure, for sure. things like womps how t j says womp instead of swearing um. And The Wall. Did you see an episode that had The Wall in it? Tell the folks at home what The Wall is. (laughs) Is The Wall where, like, Finster gets them to stand and just look at The Wall when they have (laughs) been naughty? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because there's a few scenes of just TJ talking to someone and looking at The Wall, um, which is an all-time punishment. Uh, if you ask me, I'm pretty sure there's an episode where she changed the punishment up and just put like a chalk square that they had to sit in. Uh, if my if I recall correctly, uh, I could be wrong. Um what we're going to do today is we are going to share our we've all ranked the six main characters uh, as our most favorite to least favorite gang we're gonna
2: gang right the gang the
0: gang yeah yeah Yeah. we will we'll we'll talk about the bit characters who are really important after that um but we're going to start with we're going to talk about someone's least favorite and then we'll reveal where each of us has them ranked um and i'm looking forward to seeing some discrepancies here there may not be some discrepancies we don't know i don't know what's on your lists um simon just pre-coming on the podcast, revealed that he hadn't uh, read the memo, which sounded about right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what had you
2: done, Simon? I just uh, thought we were putting out six best characters from the show in, in, instead of ranking from least favourite to most favourite of the gang. So I've got two lists, that's fine. I've got my list of the gang from bottom to top.
0: Now, I don't want to know which characters, but how many of the
2: gang made your top six? Oh, I was pretty kind to the gang. I didn't want to As you are always. Much. I didn't want to be too much of a contrarian, so I just left one out. Ooh. Ooh. But the character who was not from the gang is my number two character.
1: Ooh. Interesting. Hmm.
0: All right, we're going to start with Marty again with your least favourite. Let's see if it's the same as uh, ours.
1: Yeah, this was a really tough exercise because they all had their own individual points and I kind of felt like each individual character represented about three or four different um, classic school personality types. But I ended up going in sixth place with Gus Griswold.
2: Mm. Simon? Am I saying my sixth place? No, you're just saying where you ranked Gus. Yeah, no major complaints. I had Gus at five.
0: Yeah, I had Gus at five. What made you put him least favourite, Marty?
1: Uh, It was a toss-up between Gus and my number five. Um, You know, I think the new kid just generally should uh, be automatically shunted down uh, (laughs) towards the tail. (laughs) Um, I I feel as though I was, uh, I don't know, bound by playground rules. Uh, Maybe I had King Bob in my ear. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I I felt as though, uh, yeah, the new kid needed to be shunted down the order a wee bit.
2: Um, Just very, I'll jump in very quickly there. Folks at home may not have realised that Marty just chucked in about four subtle references to the first episode. So uh, kudos there, Marty. All right, just on that episode, very quickly, the uh, Gus is the new kid, and he takes over the old new kid. And I know we're not going to talk about this in any major detail. But I thought the old new kid was definitely like an homage to Steve Buscemi, but um,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> just like Randall Weems is a homage to Mo Sizlak. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a great, it's a great shout too.
1: Great shout for Randall. I've got another one that I'll pipe in on um, with a comparison to Randall after we get through our top six. Great. Right. Um,
2: so have you got anything else on Gus? Uh, as Marty said, it's, it's you feel kind of cruel uh, making a pretend fourth grader your least favourite, but uh, so it has to be someone. To me, there was, there was a clear tear, though, um, yeah, a clear tear that I could have honestly swapped around six five and four quite easily. Yeah, uh, interesting five and four for me could have been swapped around quite easily so I've got no qualms there Marty at all. Yeah now I, um,
0: I feel like some people could relate to Gus, obviously not Marty being the new kid um, <laughs> but, but also <laughs> but also um, having a military father um, mm. and also a haircut you could set your watch to. Oh, absolutely. Johnny
1: Leonidas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Alright, so we know that um, Gus is Simon's fifth, so who's your sixth, Simon?
2: Yeah, again, um, six, five, and four, all much of a muchness for me, but my least favourite character is Vince, number six. <laughs> same here, man, same here yep uh he's, again all good characters that's one of the reasons it's such a great show but vince not maybe quite as multifaceted as the others you know the uh black kid being the jock perhaps is one of the only things that hasn't aged quite as well uh in the show that everything else but uh, yeah good character but probably just not quite as multifaceted and maybe I need to rewatch it because maybe there, you know, rewatch it more because maybe there are a few key episodes where much is revealed about Vince.
0: Uh, before Marty reveals his um, high ranking of Vince, um, I yeah. had I had also had Vince at six. I've got notes on all these characters, and my Vince notes have nothing. Um, he he doesn't bring a lot to the table in my eyes when it comes to the uh, the show. Um, I think he's important as TJ's j. second hand man, and that's about it, really. He's like his hype man pretty much yeah a little bit a
2: little bit of a troubling portrayal, perhaps perhaps, but maybe i'm just uh thinking, thinking too much about it. Well, Marty's a jock, so um he probably had vince real high.
1: I was very close to having Vince as my second, uh but um in the end after uh, after a bit of thought, I ended up chucking Vince in at the four. Mm. Um, yeah, he is he's a jock. He's a competitive one. He's the athlete. He, um, he does play that role pretty well of kind of mellowing out TJ when he goes a little bit rogue. Um, yeah. But I watched the kickball episode where Vince got the yips. <laughs> and as someone who has previously, and some would say still has, Yep, <laughs> um, I felt a little bit of um, compassion there. Uh, so yeah, hence why Vince uh, Vince snaked my four position.
2: And the other um, minor issue with Vince is that isn't he just the exact isn't there the exact same character on Hey Arnold? Gerald. Gerald. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how good he is at sport,
0: Gerald. I could be.
1: I was thinking That's the same thing. thing. Yeah. Maybe not. They were more of a baseball type of a gang, weren't they? More of like
2: a rounders, a stickball, you know. Stick ball. More, New, more, New York, more New York, I think. Uh, New York, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, no, sorry. Um, so yeah, Vince, six. Is it your turn to, do, to reveal your four, is it Sam? Um, I was just going to ask Marty
0: in the kickball episode, did he have. The yips from kicking
2: the ball.
1: Ah, uh, yeah.
2: Mm. I remember that episode. Great kicker, wasn't he? Great kicker of the of the ball.
1: Oh, he he was your kickball champion at Third Street for sure.
2: Yeah. Not as good as when
0: uh, Gretchen invented a boot for TJ to wear, and he <laughs> yeah. booted the ball out of the school. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe that's a good segue I don't know but we've got Gus number six for Marty and Vince number four for Marty so who's your number five
1: I and mean, this was tough um, but I've ended up going Gretchen
0: oh okay.
1: yeah yeah a lot of a lot of back and forth on this, um, Gretchen, absolute sweetheart, you know the the voice of uh, reason, logic, facts and science. Um, but could she just have please blown her goddamn nose? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. like, I, I understand. Like yeah, allergies, nerdy kid, whatever, but. <laughs> Blow the nose. <laughs> For goodness sake.
2: That bumped it down a few. Did anybody else look up online uh, after hearing Gretchen's voice? Gretchen voice Chucky Rugrats? <laughs> oh. I definitely did. And it's not the same voice. Oh. But definitely nasally, very nasally, both of them.
1: Just blow the goddamn nose. Chucky. <laughs> Chucky's three. <laughs> you can understand him walking around with hoopies going down the down his to his mouth, but <laughs> Gretchen
0: Fair, very fair. Interesting. Simon, where did you have Gretchen?
2: Two. Two Yep.
0: Very interesting. Well, I feel bad about
2: having her at two after. That tour de force from Marty. But I just, I love, you know, I'm a English nerd and Gretchen's language is top-notch. Some of the sentences she comes up with are, are just hilarious in their, um, compl- you know, how complicated they are. There's just completely unnecessary use of big words. Um, and I also like... How comical her, the drawing of Gretchen is. Yeah. <laughs> she's this ridiculously skinny, uh, ridiculous haircut, sort of nerdy, rakish, pippy longstocking. So I've always enjoyed just the actual drawing of Gretchen on top of how funny, how funny she is. Uninten- I mean, I'm sure she's intentionally funny as far as the, the creators of the cartoon are concerned. But not as far as she is concerned. But yeah, so that's why she's my number two. And yeah, she always finds a way to get involved. You know, kickball. She's obviously not an athlete, but she uses that brain of hers to help TJ win the day. She'd run of a hell of a stitch sheet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I had Gretchen at three, so I think um, Marty's the the odd one out there on uh, yeah. on Gretchen. Um, I'm surprised neither of you have mentioned her, um, her pet calculator, Galileo. <laughs> uh, who talks, I think. And, um, she could definitely walk the dog with a pro-yo. Yeah.
2: <laughs> She's real good at yo-yoing. Forgot about that. She'd know all the physics of chatterings as well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I had, uh, I've had gone Gretchen, three, Gus, five, and Vince, six. Um, so Simon, who's next on your... We're getting up to our favourites almost here. Um, who have you got next, mate?
2: So I've got Vince, six, Gus, five, Gretchen, two. So i have actually gone to four here. I'd like you... You need to tell us your number four. My number four is Michelle Roderick. Oh, no, uh, Spinelli, sorry. Spinelli, yep. <laughs> she's, she's my number four. The old tomboy, Spinelli. And honestly, I feel harsh on Vince because Spinelli, they're not neither of them are one-trick ponies, but maybe they don't. Yeah, you know, she's just a tomboy. Sticks up for TJ. She's, she's a tomboy. We get it. She's good. Yep. Sounds like she should be your number six. Yeah, she, look, I said four, five, and six, very interchangeable. So I don't have any anything major. Yeah, I love, love her Moxie. Love her Moxie. She, she doesn't care who she steps on to, to uh, stick up for whoever she will stick up for. And that's why I like her. But she hasn't quite cracked my top three because, again, just much, you know, a little bit like Vincent Gus, but bit of a one-trick pony.
0: Marty.
1: Yeah, my one, two, and three were the ones that I had were quite interchangeable. Um, In the end, I went with Spinelli as one.
2: Ooh,
1: yes. Yeah, I, uh, my thought process was, if I was at Third Street myself, who would I want to be mates with? Um, and I think uh, Spinelli offers a lot, uh, especially in a group mentality. She's always first, and she's got your back. She's got backs. Um, she's got a tough exterior, but um, you know there's a little bit of depth to that character as well. I remember in the Ashley's episode when mm-hmm. it's revealed that her, indeed, her first name is Ashley. Oh, that's right. Um, and the, I guess the, the challenge that she went through from, uh, going from her tomboy nature into quite a prissy type of a girl. Uh, and how she ended up fighting through to stay true to her own colours and her own character, um, hence why I decided to give Spinelli my um, my gold medal.
2: I feel bad now. That's a great, great rationale. Great episode too that I had forgotten about. Um, Huge. I failed miserably here. That's good call, Marty. Yeah, you are the odd one
0: out because Spinelli is my number two, um, and. Yeah, I've got written down that Ashley's episode as as a huge part of her um, her growth. Uh, she's a rogue with a heart of gold. Oh yeah, she, she'll she'll back up anyone who's in her gang, and the gang is so bizarre. Someone like <laughs> in that kind of in that kind of character could easily cast someone like Gretchen or Mikey or Gus out, um, but she mm-hmm. uh, she doesn't. Um, I really like her voice and yep. um the part that i'd forgotten about completely was her parents and how so her her parents are like they call her pookie and are like <laughs> <laughs> extremely extremely uh outward with their affection with her at which she obviously um hates and especially in the episode where um she ends up staying with Muriel Finster. She bab- gets babysat by her because the parents are good friends with um, with Muriel. Um, great <laughs> episode, by the way. Um, I reckon Sean Bob would revel in Spinelli too because uh, she loves wrestling.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That was... Um, I should have mentioned earlier that was almost a clincher for me.
0: Mm, big wrestler. Um, so I've got G- Spinelli 2, Gretchen 3... Gus five, Vince six. So I've only got two left. I'd like to know where you've got Mikey, Mado.
1: I got Mikey at the two. Um, Mikey. (laughs) Yeah, Mikey, he's a very interesting character. He is the one that I guess as Recess is a show about living in the moment at that age. He's the one that sort of holds on to that last bit of innocence. He can communicate really well with the kindergartners. Um, he's the embodiment of uh, innocence, belief, faith. Um, but you, I guess you could also uh, cross that with naivety slash ignorance. Um, also, he's a great singer. And I thought there was a little bit of a Barney Gumble type parallel going on there. <laughs> Um, but Mikey went through a big character journey on a number of different episodes uh, from losing that inner child uh, and you could kind of see that point um, a la Ralph Wiggum, but almost when he changes into realising that as an adult the world beats down on you and nothing is as it seems. Um, yeah, so seeing the the growth through the loss of the innocence of of, of a child and a character uh, gave him a little bit more depth rather than just the big, gentle, giant, buffoon-type character.
0: Nice. side. where'd you have Mikey? I've got a lot on Mikey.
2: Um, I've got him at three, um, though possibly could have had him higher. Just to Marty's point about the loss of innocence... With him, I think watching *Recess* of the first times, and this is probably just an ego thing, I guess. But my, my favourite novel of all time is *The Catcher in the Rye* by J.D. Salinger, and in one of the episodes, Mikey, he writes—well, I think he, I'm not sure it's one or more—but he writes poetry on his on his baseball glove. Definitely does. And, and in *The Catcher in the Rye*, Holden's bro- uh, little brother Allie, who dies of leukemia at thirteen. He also writes poetry on his baseball glove. So it's a bit of a shout-out to, to, to that character in Catch and Write. And that whole book is about Holden being obsessed with innocence and, and obsessed with keeping that innocence. So I thought that's a really interesting point you brought up there, Marty, about that, that, that journey um, because you know, he is a direct shout-out to Kelly. Who is in a book that is just obsessed with, with the keeping mm. of innocence? So yeah, for that reason, pretty much alone, because I'm a massive catcher in the rye fan, I had to have Mikey in my top three.
0: Nice. yeah, I, I had him at four, um, but hearing those um, impassioned speeches, I, I
2: could uh, potentially bump him above Gretchen. Gretchen. There oh, I there some te- tears almost there from Marty and me talking about Mikey.. <laughs> Uh,
0: I, I like the fact that he yeah, it mentioned before, but he's almost like spiritual mm, um, yeah. and everything that he does, it's kind of breaking down societal norms and expectations of, uh, of who he should be as this yeah. large, larger than life nine year old. And he's a mint goalkeeper. <laughs> um, so that leaves the leader of the gang, who I think is mine and Simon's number one, yeah. and Marty's number three, if I've done my maths correctly.
1: You have indeed. I was very close to having TJ at the two. Um, yeah, but TJ, great character.
0: Yeah. Um, why didn't you have him at number one?
1: Um, I, I I, was a bit, sounds like I was a bit like you guys. I eh? had two, two halves to it. Um, and Trying to figure out where to place them. And when I first started, I had TJ as my number one, um, and maybe because he's the uh, got like anti main character bias kind of thing mm-hmm. going on. As I was looking back upon um, the episode, not only the episodes that I watched, but memories as well. Um, but I, again, on a different day, I could easily have TJ as my number one.
2: Sure. Time. Um Yeah. I guess all I was thinking the whole time was who gives more, which 90s character gives more inspirational speeches per episode, TJ Detweiler
1: or Danny <laughs> Tanner? <laughs> um, Two great cartoon dads. Oh, the 90s <laughs> dads. So,
2: yeah, I, I had the over-under at TJ's inspirational speeches per episode at 1.5. Mm. Um, probably over, probably an easy over. Um, But no, no, look, I think as I say, these characters are all so wonderful. I'm not upset at all with with Marty having that three.
1: I think the biggest thing that TJ definitely does have in his favour is his level of interaction with a lot of the other side characters as well. That was one factor I was definitely thinking of. Um, He does have a great rivalry with not only uh, Muriel Finster as you mentioned, but um, the great Principal Prickley, uh, Randall, um, among a lot of others. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You'd mentioned who is the person that I would want to be mates with if I was at that school and it would want to be TJ. And it shows because everyone is TJ's mate, apart from Randall. Yeah. But even there's an episode where Randall is part of the gang and TJ accepts him in. Just like he accepts the new kid, Gus. Just like he <laughs> accepts the new kid, Gus. Gustav. Um hey, that was that was a good exercise, I actually. Enjoyed that. Absolutely. Um we'll just touch on a few of the um the extra characters or the um <laughs> the supporting yeah. staff. Before we do Oh, can you who was the who's the one character that made your
1: Yeah, um, that's what I want to um, know
0: your
2: top six randall oh randall was two yeah randall madness great <laughs> i think because without randall basically none of the plot lines exist <laughs> you No, know, that's what happens when you watch one episode simon you need to watch uh, more than uh, one uh, episode no no watch two watched it uh fin- yeah i think i just found randall really funny but before we do move on to those side characters, and I will watch more episodes because I enjoyed them, so, the ones I watched so thoroughly. You know, the, the, you, I think, I can't remember if it was you or Marty, Sam, who said the variation, of you know, and what a gang it is, you know, this, you've got the, the black jock, you've got the, you know, the skinny, rake, white, nerdy kid, you've got the big, sensitive kid, uh, the tomboy, the leader, you know, all that sort of stuff. And if that was... If this wasn't a show about secondary school and you had all those characters, it would feel like tokenism a little bit, mm-hmm. I guess. But in primary school, and I think for our experience, Sam, and I'm not sure about your primary school experience, Marty, but you know, you you do you kind of just hang out with who's there a lot of the time, right? Whereas, yep. come to see, when you arrive at secondary school, eventually your friends become a bit more homogenous and your interests. are very similar if not exactly the same Mm. and if so if this was a show that was similar but it was about high school it would seem a bit forced you know whereas what i loved about what i love about the show still is that i don't think that is forced because at primary school there is that variation um and i thought it yeah it was it was an exaggeration on real life like any show but it was an exaggeration with truths behind it and i thought the variety in that gang um Summed that up quite well, and it was pretty authentic as far as cartoons are concerned.
1: I think you raise a good point about the ages as well. They're, they're kind of right on that cusp between um, what are they, fourth graders, I think. So, what's that? Is that one before intermediate, kind of about that age, where um, at, at intermediate, you're kind of losing that innocence of a child, as I mentioned earlier. But as you mentioned, Sai, there's a lot more that they're able to get away with. As characters still having that childlike imaginative sense to them, um, their uh, ability to do things that you just cannot do as a secondary school student, because you'd get ridiculed, vilified, <laughs> ostracised, whatever it might be, bullied if <laughs> it in reality. Um <laughs> You know, so, yeah, having them at that age and still being able to maintain that diversity is a, like, an absolute key point. And probably why it ended up resonating so well with such a large audience in comparison mm. to other shows directed at kids that age. They're either very kind of, uh, yeah, homogenous type characters, right? They've all got the exact same interest and almost background.
0: Yeah. Great points. Um not places I thought we were gonna go with this recess podcast if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> um I'll just throw out a few uh, of the bit characters and then I've got a, a couple of questions for you. Um we've got Muriel P. Finster, Principal Peter Prickley, uh Miss Groatke, who I had completely forgotten about.
2: Great character. Yeah,
0: King Bob. Um
2: the hustler kid who has that big, like, flashes jacket. Who was, there wasn't actually, we, we called that kid the dealer at Hut High. <laughs> yeah. came, but uh, he was definitely he existed in real life at Hut High. Yep, go on. Yeah, old Alistair. Um, <laughs> swinger
0: girl, upside down girl,
1: mm.
0: uh, the diggers,
2: uh, corn chip girl. That was, a, that was a weak one, I thought. That was a weak yeah. one. All the rest were fantastic. Corn Chip Girls, a bit weak. Yeah, not a big
0: fan of Corn Chip Girl. Um, but, Michael, guess a question about one of them. Where does Peter Prickly, uh, Principal Prickly, r- rank in TV principles? Excellent question.
1: I had a really big think about this. Um, um, Flathead Fisher was one of my favourite principals. <laughs> Uh, obviously, um, Skinner uh, comes to mind. Um, but Prickly, he he was an excellent character. He was a, a very vibrant um, and out-there uh, school principal. Um, but his relationship with TJ was crucial to the element um, of him being a principal at that school and his role. Um, he back down and changed his viewpoints. Uh, Often his viewpoints were definitely wrong in the first place as a result of TJ's (laughs) actions um, and his interaction with that whole authoritarian rule. But that authoritarian rule can actually end up listening to reason and making a good call in the end, which is that whole uh, adults v kids Mm. dynamic that recess so successfully explores as well.
0: Yeah. I um, also a superintendent Skinner.
1: Yes, I definitely uh, did notice that, uh,
0: which I thought was interesting. You mentioned something about Randall in a in a uh, comparison, Marty. What was that you had?
1: Uh, have you guys seen the movie Monsters Inc?
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: yes, definitely. That purple dinosaur thingy lizard thing, and, and then I like I was trying to figure out what that character's name was on Monsters Inc., who Isn't works for the Scream Factory. It's Randall, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> he's got the same eyes.
0: So, do you reckon Monsters Inc. took the idea from Randall Weems
1: for the Randall and Monsters Inc. I like if you look at the actual faces, there's a lot of Similarities, and you can like there's got to be a lot of inspiration from those shifty, weaselly little eyes that Randall Weems has. <laughs> um, oh, there's one other one that, yeah. um, Menlo,
0: who oh. uh, who was like used to be TJ's mate or something, yep, yeah.
1: And he, hang- uh, I think they found out that TJ all along had been going to, um, even though Menlo is quite a quote unquote uncool character
0: uh t j ended up still going to his birthdays every year what a hero t j is eh? what a hero um all right i've got a little bit of um well a bit of tracy trivia for you a little uh, i won't spend too long on it but um couple of things, and I did remember this distinctly, TJ's voice changed a lot throughout the seasons. Oh, no. Was it a, was it an Ant-Viv type situation? <laughs> Voiced by four different people? No um, way! There was one main guy, but I remember distinctly watching an episode once, I was like, that doesn't sound like him at all. Um, did you guys, you obviously searched up uh, who did you think was Chucky Finster?
2: Gretchen. Well,
1: um, it's not.
0: It's not. But you, 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 must have heard who Spinelli is.
2: Um. Yeah. Well, there's one very famous um, actress who plays one of the gang. Yeah, or well, Pamela Adlon
0: is Spinelli, and she's like very, like she's done really, really well for herself. Um, she was writing for like Louis CK and. Um, but just close your eyes and listen. It's Bobby Hill from no. King of the Hill.
2: Of course it is. Of course no it is.
0: Way.
2: I didn't notice, but now that you say that, it's one of those things where you think, oh. That's
0: course. Bobby Hill. I remember listening and just hearing it this time around, I was like, that is definitely someone I know. It wasn't, I didn't think it was Bobby Hill, but when I heard it, I was like, it definitely is. Um, there was a crossover episode in 2006 which is five years after Recess finished i think it was 2006 uh, with lilo and stitch of all shows what <laughs> bizarre um and another well, a couple about spinelli her mum was voiced by um katie seagal yeah. oh yeah i know
2: that but legend of course katie seagal
0: well, I heard it in that episode. I was like, "That is definitely Leela." <laughs> we went to Leela first. Yeah, Big Bundy. Um, but that's that's all the Tracy trivia I've got. Um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about?
2: I want to show my kids. That's yeah. You know, I definitely want to watch it with my kids. That I lived, loved it so much on a rewatch. So I want to show my kids. Really, it's just a awesome show and I'm looking forward to watching more of it and I'm glad that it hasn't aged poorly in fact it's aged very well
1: I thought they um, they stuck to the values of their I wrote this kind of like little thing um, so they balance kind of many positive and playfully critiqued rather than alienated different views or more harsher views um whilst still holding firm collective teamwork style values, uh, and they portrayed the whole kids being kids' experience at that same time. Um, for a lot of shows who attempt to do this, it ends up coming across either quite hokey slash overly political, but mm. they struck that balance as a show like superbly well, and it's there's not too many cartoons that can stand the test of time, but this is 100% one that definitely has.
2: Yeah. Great back, uh, just great backing track as well. Like that whole big band, yeah. a, lot, a lot of tuba, a lot of tuba in there. Always a big fan of a tuba in there. Same as the kindergartners. They like the tuba. I, I
0: can't, um, I can't believe how, like I reckon as you, I think someone mentioned at the start of this, that it's actually probably gotten better over time like it's aged so well like I don't think normally we say a lot of these things don't hold up well at all there's some kind of um, stereotypes or something within them that that don't hold up um, but watching it I was like oh, I only plan to watch a couple of episodes I watched an entire season um, and planned to watch more and I'd like to show my four-year-old um, but I think I've got to wait a few years because I tried with The Simpsons and she wasn't interested in that at all. I, I just don't it's want to have another rejection.
2: <laughs> yeah and um, I think what Marty said I mean with all the wonderful uh, complex things Marty has said, I think one of the most simple things Marty said today was that it's underrated I, I think it's criminally underrated like absolutely criminally underrated and it should be in the canon of the great uh, shows and I don't feel it. Maybe it is, maybe, I mean, obviously I don't do my research on what's considered the best cartoons of the late 90s, but I think often in that that same bracket you look at Rugrats and things like that, which is also great, but yeah, I I just think, I just want to concur that I think it's criminally underrated.
0: But anyway, Marty, Simon, your insights were uh, were invaluable. Um, As I said, uh, this turned out to be um, almost a philosophical pod. Um, uh, Pat and Sean will be gutted they missed it. (laughs) It's... <laughs>